Welcome to the Leap Health in the Workplace podcast. Leap Health empowers individuals and organizations to improve both their physical and mental health. In this podcast, we explore innovative, bespoke, proven health solutions that will improve both your personal and professional productivity and happiness. I'm Anna Reddy. Let's get ready to make small steps to Leap Health. Today's episode is slightly different and this is a recording from a workshop that Michael Quigley from Catalyst and myself did for NHS Practitioner Health, so all those within the NHS. And this is around working agile without becoming fragile. Hope you enjoy it. Thank you, Will. Thank you and welcome to the seminar today. So today is all around working agile, which I guess this has really, really increased in the NHS in the last couple of years um, without becoming physically and mentally fragile. And this is about you, but it's also about your patients and what you learn today is applicable to your patients as well, which will ultimately improve both yours and theirs mental and physical well-being. So today you've got two for the price of one, you've got myself and Michael. So a little bit about who I am. Well, you might have seen me before because I did present previously to you around uh, the NHS, also an interview as a mental health tool. Um, And I run, as Will said, Leap Health, provide workplace health workshops. My background is over 18 years in the pharmaceutical industry, working in different disease and therapeutic areas with different healthcare professionals, similar to you. Um, And I'm really, really hugely fascinated by the profound effect that small little lifestyle interventions can have. I'm also a qualified nutritionist as well um, and most importantly I'm a mother of three lively children and I do believe that if I don't put the health at the heart, my health at the heart of what I do I'll be truly frazzled and I think that's something that we all need to do is really manage our own health and empower other people to manage theirs as well just to make those small little steps that can have a big impact. Um, So I've worked with a variety of companies, including other people in the NHS like yourselves, uh, pharma companies, Mercedes-Benz, colleges, um, people in finance, so a wide variety of different clients. So that's a little bit about me. Before I get stuck into the um, workshop, Michael, would you like to just introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh, Hello, everyone. Uh, Thank you for inviting me today, Anna. My name is Michael Quigley. So I'm a qualified teacher and I now run a business called Catalus and we do a lot of training courses online uh, as well as making online content and leadership material. And Anna's invited me today here because I've got a piece of intellectual property that I created around motivating yourself, motivating other people. uh, And I'm going to give an introduction to that at the end of the session. Thanks, Anna. Super. So we're keeping you in suspense for this motivational winning tool. So, So what actually is working agile? Well, it's defined as bringing people, processes, connectivity and technology, time and place together to find the most appropriate and effective way of working to carry out a particular task. It's within working guidelines, um, but how you achieve it is totally up to you. Um, I can hear probably people saying now that's not possible in the NHS, quite rigid. But I think sometimes we have to push these things forward. If we see a better way of doing something, we have to push it forward. 
an example of this is 10 years ago when I before I went off on maternity leave to have my second child I put an idea forward to big big pharma company that we should be doing meetings online we should be supporting the education of healthcare professionals by delivering meetings online it was completely pre-pooed as a silly idea because people would not engage with online fast forward 10 years and the world is all online consultations are online and the majority of learning is online. So I think the real take-home message is that if you see ways of agile working that could improve outcomes, I would really encourage you to push it forward. So before we get going properly, I want you to type in the chat box, what would be your favourite X Factor song? If you got on the X Factor, what would be your favourite song? What is your feel-good song? If you're feeling a little bit down, a, bit, a little bit low, what song would you go to that would immediately raise your mood and motivation? So pop it in the chat box, please. And Wilf, if you'd like to read some of them out to me, that would be great. And the real you know, importance of doing it, this is just to highlight how just something so, so small can be used in whatever situation you're in, whether you're working from home or you're working in surgery, you're working in the hospital, but sometimes just something so small as listening to a song can completely change the way you feel. It impacts on your dopamine, serotonin, it just it impacts on your cortisol levels. And all these things can tip you over into a feel-good move, which really improves your physical and mental state. And this is something that in a really, really limited consultation with your patients, 10 minutes, just something as simple as this as a tool like this that they could go to could impact on their well-being. So, Will, do you want to read them out or do you want me to read them out? Uh, well, I think our audience is being a bit shy today, but uh, I've shared mine. Um, I, try, I just want to check quickly that, the, that everyone in the chat can see Anna's slides. Um, can you see, should be a picture of a lady on the X Factor. Can you see this or not? Is it working? Uh, so we're getting, a few, we're getting a few in there. I can't, and I don't think your slides have um, changed. Right, it's, okay. it's just saying the title slide. So. Ah, right. Okay, let's try this. Okay. Sorry. Um, so we've got a few, we've got a few from, from the chat. We've got uh, Lady Gaga's Edge of Glory. Um, we've got You'll Never Walk Alone. Uh, 500 miles by the proclaimers. Um, oh, that, that's working now. Could Brilliant. someone, could could one of our viewers just just uh, just say whether they can see the uh, welcome to the expert slide? I just just want to make sure that we haven't got a, a technical hitch. I'm sorry about this. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. They can. Sorry, Anna. Right, that's super. Thank you, and thank thank you for highlighting that, and thank you for sending all them songs in as well. So pinch a few of those. Have them in your little bank of ideas of songs that can motivate you. And maybe just think, in whatever situation you're working, something as simple as this could get tip you off into the edge. It might actually make you feel like moving. It might make you feel like just taking a bit of self-care or just make you feel generally more positive. So this is what we've got planned ahead. I won't go through every little step um, in the essence of time, but hopefully when you leave this webinar today, you'll have a clear plan of some small steps to lead your health and a toolkit of solutions and the motivation you need to make health contagious um, for you and your colleagues and your patients. So first of all, we're going to have a look at presenteeism. So presenteeism, I did allude to this in my last webinar, is 
defined as working with suboptimal health. So it's not just your patients that are working with this. People in the NHS are, are working with this. And this has been highlighted in research that's been carried out. So I'd just like you to ask, ask yourself this question and wonder if you know this about your patients as well. Do you know what? The alarm clock goes in off in the morning. You wake up and you don't feel 100% mentally. You feel really, really drained. You don't feel physically motivated at all. And you feel really, really low. What would you actually do? Would you actually pick up the phone and phone in sick? Or would you just go into work working at reduced level of productivity? And I'm guessing, I'm not going to ask for all the answers now in the essence of time, but I'm guessing there's a lot of people on this session today that would just go into work because you, you have to do that. Or if you're working online or from home, it's quite easy to mask if you're not feeling 100%. And probably a lot of your patients are doing this as well. And companies can't actually define this. They can't actually unravel it because it's so difficult to track. And actually data shows that 84% of people have spotted presenteeism in the workplace. Interestingly, before the pandemic, this figure was actually higher. It was 89%. But now people are working from home more. It's so it's hard to define, it's hard to recognize and diagnose. Um, but however, Two out of five people who have spotted it are taking no action at all. So what do we do? When it's difficult to define and difficult to understand, the real solution is empowering people to tip themselves over into a better state, into feeling great, feeling better mentally and feeling better physically. And just empowering them and making them more motivated to make small little lifestyle interventions themselves and taking ownership of their own health. And often, as you will know, it's just the basic steps, but it's getting people motivated to take um, control of it and empower it. And it's all about making sure that they really realize that the king eats first, that you fasten your own seatbelt first. And it can sound selfish, it can feel wrong, but just think, if you don't manage your own health and don't prioritize your own health, just find small little steps. You know, then the couple consequences down the line. And if you do prioritize it, think about who you can actually help. How would you feel and what you could actually do? And I think I did use this slide before, but I wanted to use it again just to really home into that fact that it is not selfish to prioritize your own health. It really benefits a multiple of people around you. So this little exercise is just going to highlight how when we're working agile and in different situations and habits can change, how it can have a ripple effect on our health. So I just want you to imagine now, I want you to pick up a pen and paper if you've got one to hand. I'd like you to write down as much as you can if you can during this time. It's an hour of your time you're investing. Maybe not quite an hour, but you're investing this time. So make sure you take something away from it. Because in a busy world, how often do we get to do this focus on ourselves? So just make the most of it. So. This is the situation. We're working agile, right? You're working a little bit later tomorrow. You're on a later shift than normal because things have changed around a little bit. So you think, well, I'm just going to watch a bit of Netflix. Someone's recommended this amazing series on Netflix, and it is amazing. So then you watch another one, and then you watch another one. And before you know, you've stopped up a little bit later than you should have done. Next thing, your phone's next to your bed. So your phone pings. And it's someone that you know that's just put something on social media about the wonderful, amazing relationship that is really, really blossoming and makes everyone else feel totally inadequate. When actually, actually, you know, she was complaining the other day because 
her husband didn't pick his underpants up off the floor in the bathroom and she was ready for leaving him. And you know, it's utter, utter nonsense. So that winds you up just before bed and you can't sleep because it's really, really wound you up. You've also planned to go for a jog in the morning because you had all good, good intentions to go. You wake up in the morning, everything's a bit rubbish and you just, oh, I, can't, I can't find my cap to go jogging. I can't find my waterproof jacket. I won't bother. You're tireder than ever. You've stopped up late. You've had no motivation in the morning. You're getting to work. And you think, oh, I just need a cup of coffee to bring me around. And before you know it, you've, you haven't prepared anything for your lunch. You go into the staff, staff canteen, staff room. Someone's left a cake out that they've brought in for a birthday because they wanted to get rid of it. And then there's biscuits there as well. Then you've got a patient that comes in to see you. They've, they're really, really suffering with the mental health. They feel really, really down. They've let everything out on you. You're tired. You're taking all this in. And then you have another patient that's absolutely fuming because every appointment's online now and they've been put on hold on, in the surgery. So that stresses you out as well. Finally, you get on, you're absolutely exhausted. All you do is cackle on the settee and you have a really, really poor night's sleep. You've not managed to get everything done in your work day. So your work-life balance is all over the place and you feel pretty low. So that's a really, really exaggerated example. There might be bits of it that people can resonate with. Try and, have, try and jot things down that anything that resonated or anything that you could tweak into your world or think about your patients as well. So when your patients pose to you with their, you know, suffering with some kind of physical or mental problem, do you know all these touch points that happened before that a small little lifestyle intervention could have had a huge impact on? And really digging deep to understand this kind of world could have a massive impact on you and your patients as well. So I'd really like you just to think about now how you think this might improve productivity levels to you personally in your world, the cost to the NHS and the cost to your patients and health. And really ask yourself if you can afford not to prioritise yourself, yourself. Not to be selfish for taking a bit of fresh air during the day. You know, it's not selfish to manage your, your nutrition and fuel yourself well. It's not, it's not selfish to rest. So just have a think now about how you think that could be impacting these all different productivity levels. And then I want you to just jot down now the habits that hinder you. So thinking about that example and then thinking about the habits in your world that happen and just think about the habits that hinder you and then on the flip side of that the habits that help you so I'll just give you a few minutes to do that because I would even if you haven't got a pen and paper to hand I just want you to take a moment to sit and reflect and this might seem dead simple but how often do you actually do it in a busy life And if you would be happy to share any in the chat, I appreciate some people might not want to share, then it would you know, be great to share that with other people as well. And share what actually helps as well, because this helps other people. And this is what I define as making health contagious. And this is what it's all about, sharing your success and making health contagious. Wilf, have we got anything in the chat? Not yet. I think people are just uh, jotting down some ideas. Okay, cool. 
we've got we've got a couple of things now uh a, a helpful habit was uh from elizabeth was going for a five minute walk in the middle of a busy work day really helps uh breath work or exercise um we've got our hinders which is um when you blur the boundaries of working and working remotely so when your uh, day ends and um, we've also got a uh, lunchtime walk brilliant thank you yeah out. super and would also add meditation at the beginning i think yes. as well um so yeah thank you and you know the power of just a five minute a five minute walk out in the fresh air um can just completely change change your day so it's all about those small little steps um, someone's put in yoga as well brilliant and hinders in terms of your your working boundaries and you know often a lot of people are not having a commute now they're stuck in front of the screen all day and I think really creating a commute and keeping some kind of a commute even if it's just a walk around the block changes your mindset and gets you ready gets you ready for the day we've got breathing work as well so all of these you know really really key to resting your mind and I think gone are the days now when it's all about the number of hours worked it's about how you perform when you're at work and then you know how productive you are when you're there so thank you so much for contributing to that and sharing with that so what I would really you know encourage you to do is just highlight one or two that would have a massive impact on on your outcome so if you've got any habits that are hindering you maybe just highlight those one or two because you know in business we talk a lot about the 20 80 rule in terms of 20 percent of the thing they often say 20 percent of your sales um come from, sorry 80 percent of your sales come from 20 percent of your clients and i think this can be related to health as well i think 20 percent of the things you do can have a big impact on your whole health it's just finding those key things that are going to have a massive ripple effect so PPE, and I bet you are sick of hearing about PPE, but I want you to think about PPE in a different way. You can do all you want to protect yourself, and we need to do this to protect ourselves and, and other people around us. But what about protecting your physical and emotional health? So next time you think about PPE, I want you to think about physical and emotional health. And again, you can use this with your patients. It is so important to protect that. And particularly when we've all been through the corona coaster. And whatever situation anybody's been through in the last couple of years, and the NHS are at the forefront of this, there has been uncertainty. There has been change and there has been lack of control. And this means however strong you are mentally and physically, you will have your ups and downs and you are normal. And it's all about making those small little things we can do to make the corona coaster as smooth as possible for ourselves. So I did put in the objectives that I would let you into my winning secret in terms of how you can save yourself a lot of time. And I think the NHS, probably this will have the biggest impact on ever. So I'm imagining, and please put in the chat box if you find this, when you go to a dinner party, when you know, COVID restrictions allow, or when you're with other people outside of work, I guarantee every conversation you have, or a lot of them, would be, what are your opinions on the vaccine? What are your opinions on COVID? Put in your chat box what, you know, what your thoughts are on that. And then I want you to have a think about, how does it make you feel? 
how much time does this take up of your of your time people asking you about this when you're outside of work when you're trying to switch off and maybe just coming up with a one-liner or something that politely like, nips it in the bud could save you a lot of time and a lot of energy because this kind of thing can drain your energy a lot have we got anyone putting in the chat can anyone resonate with that If you're thinking now, I'm not sure, I'd ask you just maybe to think back on the last week and think how many people have actually asked you this question and it's come into conversations and then maybe try and work out how much time it's actually hoovering up of yours and how much energy. So I'll leave you to think about that one. Now I'm going to give you a really good tool to go to before you start spending a fortune on your New Year's resolutions that you know, everybody makes them a pretty, pretty harsh and generally unsustainable and stats show that by February, middle of February, about 80% of people have failed on the New Year's resolutions. This is a really good go-to. So, yeah, before you start spending loads on brand new gym equipment or the most expensive personal trainer, nutritionist, just check in with this acronym READY. Um, and this is all about are you ready to make small steps that stay? So ready being the important word and stay being the important word. Oh, we've got someone in the chat box. Oh. Love that, love that. Thank you, Nick, for that. We have a no COVID talk rule. Brilliant. And I'm sure that's saving you a lot of times of conversations getting spiraling out of control. So, yeah, so if you're ever feeling a little bit low, a little bit, you know, in suboptimal health, you physical, you feel a bit drained physically and a bit drained mentally, I want you to check in with this. And have you done these actions? So, ready. So, R is for rest. And I would argue that this should be number one on every single NICE guidance that's published because it's certainly, certainly cost effective. And I really do think it's under focused on and underutilized. So when we are sleeping, it impacts on many hormones that have a positive effect on our body. So and just cortisone, estrogen and progesterone. I've got my own experience with this. After for 16 years being told that I was a medical mystery when I was trying to conceive, going through Clomid and um, IVF. I then conceived naturally after 16 years after getting my rest in order. <coughs> Sorry. Sorry, one second. So it also impacts on hunger hormones such as insulin, leptin, and ghrelin. And we all know that when we're tired, you're far hungrier and you eat more and you go for poor nutritional options. It also impact, um, impacts on the melatonin. So, you know, how we regulate our melatonin and how we can keep that circadian rhythm. Impacts on our oxytocin, our love hormone, thyroid hormones and growth hormones as well. So lots of people train, but then if they're not getting the rest and recovery correct, then they don't get that growth hormone kicked in, which, you know, which boosts muscle growth as well. So. The key is to prioritise sleep and make sure we keep some kind of consistency. So when we're working in different situations at different times, 
make sure that we keep consistent with things. So make sure you're always in a dark, you're sleeping in a dark room. Make sure you're always getting a good number of hours sleeping at. Make sure also that you maybe sleep listening to a sleep meditation the night before or switching off your electronic devices an hour before you go to bed and be mindful of your caffeine intake. So the half-life, as you will know, of caffeine is around about five hours. So try and stop your caffeine seven hours before you go into sleep. So the next one is all about what you eat. Eat is for eat, and this is your nutrition. So think about approach goals. And the BBC Workplace um, did a report which showed that if you go for approach goals rather than avoidance goals, you are 25 times more likely to be successful by adding things in rather than taking things away. And what do most people do with their New Year's resolutions? They think about what they're going to take away. So I want you to really think for you and your patients what you can add in. So think about fueling your mind. So although your brain is only 2% of your body weight, it consumes 20% of your calories. So think about all the nutrients you want to add in for your brain and focus on fueling your brain rather than just fueling your body for body image. So think about nutrients such as B6, B12. You will not all know these. Vitamin D, particularly important for a seasonal affective disorder. Think about your healthy fats, such as your omega-3s. Think about fibre. And currently in the UK, we only get about 20 grams of fibre a day when the recommendation is 30 grams. And this plays a really important part in terms of things like satiety, um, and your gut brain axis as well, which obviously impacts on your brain. Um, something that I've been working with a few clients lately who are worried about the amount they're drinking. Um, and we've used fibre as a way to try and minimise that. So before they're going for a drink, saying you have a, a meal that's high in fibre because that's going to increase your satiety as well, which then means they slow down the rate that they're drinking and generally drink less. So it's just trying to think outside of the box because then, you know, over drinking can impact on your brain health as well. Um, think about your protein again for satiety and muscle growth. Think unprocessed, think variety and think whatever you're eating, you've got to enjoy it. Otherwise, it's just not sustainable. So think about planning and make sure you're putting in your diary times when you can eat. So if you work in a different schedule one day, put in the times when you're going to have your meals, when you're going to have your snacks so that it avoids you getting to that stage where you're absolutely hungry and you grab whatever's there, and you really can't focus. It affects your productivity because you can't focus. And it also stops you from snacking continually and going into that kind of food coma. And then think about preparing things in advance, because if you haven't prepared what you're going to have, if you go and open the cupboard and there's a bag of biscuits there, you're going to go for it. Whereas if you've prepared something in advance, then you're far less likely to do that. Also, position your workstation. So if you've got snacks right next to you, then of course you're going to eat them, unhealthy snacks. Um, or if you're sat right next to the kitchen, you're going to tiptoe into the kitchen all the time. If you're working from home, try and make sure that you're working away from the unhealthy choices um, and try and fill, you know, make sure that, that you're not tempted to go for those unhealthy choices. Be mindful of your portions. And this is often really misleading on a lot of um, food packaging. Portions are often either too big or too small. If you look at packets of cereal, the, the small little kids' cereals are tiny portions. They're not going to fill anyone up. And so you'll think that they're low in calories when actually 
they're low in calories, full of sugar, and going to leave you starving 30 minutes later. And um, the last one is practice as well. So I've just practiced a couple of new recipes a week that, can, that you can use. You know, if you come in from a busy shift, just something dead quick that you can go to straight away um, and make it a habit, practice it. The next one is activity. And I think probably the most important thing in the activity is to take away that perception that exercise is an hour sweating it out in the gym and it's awful because it's not and it doesn't have to be a grueling hour in the gym. So just checking yourself, have I moved today? And if you're thinking to yourself, oh, I haven't got time to fit in an hour's gym routine or something like that, try and think about the little pockets of time that you can use within the day. And that was great. Just a suggestion in the chat box five minute walk but try and think about exercise snacking and I really do believe this is the way forward is exercise snacking um, and I am running a course shortly on this all around how you can exercise snack during the day and make sure it's something that you actually enjoy um, and I think probably one of the most important things is your pre-workout routine so those little things that you do just before that you can tell yourself, I don't have to do the full routine. I'm just going to do this little thing. And if I feel like it, I'll continue on doing the rest of the exercise. And the chances are that when you've done that pre-workout routine, you will go on to do the rest of the exercise. So an example is, as soon as I wake up in the morning, because I try to do a 20-minute YouTube workout, my pre-workout routine is literally just put my gym top on. That gym top and gym bottom. And if I don't do the workout, it's not the end of the day, but I've got my stuff on so that I'm ready to go or even just make myself a brew. And that's part of my pre-workout routine. And because I've done those things, I generally go on to do the workout and um, make sure that you're wearing things comfortable as well for work. And I'm sure often you do wear things comfortable for work. But if you do get 10 minutes break at some point, if you're wearing trainers or you're wearing something that's a bit more comfortable, it's far more likely you're going to go for a quick walk around the block. Also, make yourself accountable. Find a fitness buddy. Find someone that you can check in, someone to someone that you can check in with, because you're far likely, less likely, to um, let them down than you are to let yourself down by deciding you're not going to move. And, and reduce your thinking time. So, when the weather's a bit grim and it's raining outside, and you think, "Oh, I need my bralette. I need my hat. I need something to get to. I need my waterproof coat." And you can't find it. By the time you've found it, you've got out of the mood of going. So make sure you leave those things by the door. Reduce your thinking time. So the time between you and moving is as minimal as possible. So think about, you know, how you move. Is it sustainable? Could I find little pockets of time during the day to exercise snack? I mean, it fits into my life. It doesn't impose on my personal life, but it makes me more productive when I'm at work. Is it simple? Do I have to think about it a lot? Is it sociable? Have I made myself accountable? Can I make health contagious with other people? Can I say to someone who's come up to me at work and said, can we sit down? Can we have a chat? Could you say, I'd prefer just to have a walk and talk? Make health contagious. You've both got out in the fresh air then. You've both had some movement. And also make it specific to you. Because someone thinks that it's the best thing since sliced bread to do a marathon or someone thinks doing ultramarathons is the best thing. Does it work for you? Does it work in your world? And is it the best thing for you as well? So make it specific to you. Distractions. So we've already spoken a little about a little bit about social media and how that can distract you. Um, think about the people during your day that maybe drain you a little bit and hoover your time. 
But on the flip side, think of those that shine a light on you and motivate you instantly. So think about positive noises. I absolutely love podcasts. And that is my definite positive noise to go to. I know the people around me who make me feel good. Tap into all that positive noise. And I know social media does get a bad reputation lots of the time, but you're in control. You're in control of what you see on social media and what you listen to. So how easy is it just to block things that don't make you feel good? You know, surround yourself with things that make you feel positive. Prioritise what's important to you and make sure you don't get distracted by anything else. And prepare. Make sure that if you think something's going to distract you, that you've got something that will, you know, overcome that. So take control of the noise. It's all up to you. And the last one is we're on the theme of you. It's all about you. So whatever you're doing, think about your body. The body is a powerful thing and will tell you what you need to do and what you don't need to do. And if you are feeling really, really down or really, really struggling, listen to your body and mind. It's a powerful thing. You know better than anyone how it works. So just listen to it. And think about your world. Think about what fits into your world. So just because Bob up the road lives off 20 miles bars a day and thinks it's the best thing since sliced bread and Bill down the road is raving from the cabbage soup diet, doesn't mean it's going to fit into your world, does it? So think about what, you know, your world and what you can realistically fit into your world that is sustainable. And think about your why. What's truly, truly important to you? So, you know, or say you may family or you maybe wanting to prevent a long-term disease that runs in your family is it that you've got pets that you want to be energetic for and you want to be happy for is it you know it's a whole horse of things you want to be there for your kids for a long time you want to be top-notch in your professional career whatever it is tap into your why make it visual and make it live and make sure the actions you're doing are actually in line with your why so question yourself am I doing the things that are really in line with my why and if you want them to stay and not be part of that 80% of the new year's resolutions that fail by February then make sure they're simple because when you're working agile in all different situations and they're complicated they're not going to last make sure they're trackable so you can reward yourself you can see exactly how you're progressing make sure they're accountable you can easily let yourself off the hook but you can't let yourself off the hook if other people are going to check in with you. And most importantly, make sure they're all about you. So thank you very much. That was a real whistle-stop tour on a couple of tools there, um, which I do delve into a lot more detail around in other workshops. But I'm now going to hand over to Michael. After I've just very, very quickly demonstrated the power of exercise snacking. So if you did... 15 minutes twice a day of exercise, five times a week during the working day, that would equate to 150 minutes, which is the recommended amount of movement by the government. And you could also look like Mr. Motivator. Pause for thought. Over to you, Michael. Thank you. And I was just mesmerized by that picture of Mr. Motivator there. I think that's fantastic. Uh, so hello, everybody. Um, I will be speaking for about 10 minutes. I'm pretty well trained, so I won't go over. Um, thank you, Anna, for that. Some really good stuff. Presenteeism definitely resonate with me. I used to be a primary school teacher, so I know that feeling of like, oh, not feeling great today, but I'm going to present kind of like you guys with your clients, right, and with your um, patients. So what I've got is I've got a model for motivation that I've created. Now, if anybody here likes this model, this is just an introduction to 
I'm happy to train you, your team, whoever, for free online because since I've created this model, it seems to help people so much. I just want to pass it on. So if you enjoy this, you know, please reach out to me on Twitter or LinkedIn. Um, so here we go. So this is to help motivate you, but to all, it also works for patients. It works with pretty much anybody. Um, the first thing is I want you to stop thinking about motivation as an infrequent feeling. It comes and it goes. I'm highly motivated today, I'm not motivated anymore. I need to think about it more like a repeatable process, and that's what we want. So the first thing is, I say, if you're talking to uh, a patient and you know you want to try to help them with their motivation, ask them this open-ended question: What's most important to you in your life? And just let it sit for a minute. Obviously, when it's only when it's appropriate. But if you think about that in your life now, if I said to you, "What's most important to you now?" I guarantee one, two, three. Usually about one to three things that actually just come to mind straight away. And no matter who I've done this with, people always say family, right? which is great. But never assuming that what motivates one person, like I was saying before, motivates somebody else. One of the key points I've learned over many years is motivation is totally subjective. Some people don't care about a healthy body. Some people don't care about money. They don't, you know, or they do, you know, so we don't know until they tell us. So we start by personalizing an open-ended question like that. Okay. So five different ways to motivate yourself. Um, the first one is what I call fleeting motivation. If you make a note today, 168 hours, that's how many hours you've got in a week. All right. And fleeting motivation is when you're like, yes, feeling good. You know, Anna has a lot of that energy and I, and I try to do the same, but it's like, yeah, I feel highly motivated. Let's do this thing. Yeah. But be honest. How many of those 168 hours right now are you actually feeling highly motivated? Now, hopefully it's a high number. It might be a low number. The lowest I ever heard was zero from somebody. Bless her, she said that to me. Highest I ever heard was 150 from one guy. I was like, great, what are you doing? But the point is, think about yourself and then also think about your patients. Whatever number they say, it's not going to be 168, is it? So that's the first point of motivation. When you're feeling great, use it. Use that energy, but don't expect it to last. Like the weather, it comes and it goes. That's as far as a lot of people's understanding of motivation goes. That's not very good, is it? So I've got four more ways to help you. The second thing is you think, okay, well, I'm not really feeling it today, Mike. So what am I supposed to do now? Now we use what I call false motivation. False motivation is when you're using your imagination and you're acting as if. So for example, Anna does all this stuff at the time. She gets up in the morning, she puts on the workout clothes. She's not feeling great, but she knows she's motivated to do it, right? So it's the false motivation. You act as if you would if you were motivated. You set your own deadlines, right? You set your own things. You don't wait for environment, COVID, anything, any external improvements. You set it from within. So I was, I was laughing when Anna was saying about ultra marathons because I did one you know, just over a year ago. I set it as a false motivator because I didn't want to get fat sitting around the desk too much. There was no ultra marathon, by the way. I just bought some trainers, made a route, and did it. So I'm trying to say is that can be very powerful. For a lot of people, it's a massive relief when they say to me, so well, I don't have to be really highly motivated all the time. I can still do stuff when I feel rubbish. Yeah, a lot of younger people, that's a revelation, all right? Most of the time, you're not going to feel great at the moment, which is fine. You can still be doing great stuff to look after you and your patients. The third one is what I call future motivation. Now, false motivation is imaginary, right? But the cool thing about it is you start to follow a thought process and start to say, what have I got to look forward to in the, in the future, you know? What am I looking forward to? So I would write this phrase down if you're writing notes. I know Anna's writing notes. You can never have too many things to look forward to. Can you? 
How many children do you know that go after age seven or eight? I've had enough birthdays. Thank you very much. That's enough presents. No more Christmases for me. Oh, no more holidays. You know, We all want things to look forward to. We never really reach the point where we're like, I've had enough fun. I'm done. I want to be miserable. And a lot of people are emotionally suffering now, right now because the things they normally look forward to, right, as we know, have been denied or we don't know when we're going to be able to do them. So I would do this. I would literally do this today or this week. Write 20 things that you're looking forward to. And don't let them be time bound because people say, well, when's it going to happen? I don't want to put a holiday down in case it doesn't happen. You're training your brain to say it is going to happen at some point in the future. A pandemic, by definition, has a start and an end point. Right. It's why it's called a pandemic, as we know. So allowing yourself to think towards the future um, and just understand you can never have too many things to look forward to. Write that list and encourage people with that. Again, a lot of people that I speak to and you probably have this week patients, they're not allowing themselves to get excited for the future in case it doesn't happen. That's a terrible way to live. And when they come back to you or you say, well, when's it going to happen? You say, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but it's going to happen, right? The reason that I know a lot of this works is I used to be a primary school teacher and I left that and I started a business from scratch. I had nothing. So I've had to practice this in order to make it real. So I know that it works, yeah. You don't have a future to look forward to. No wonder you're not going to be feeling highly motivated. They don't have to be big things. Sometimes it can just be a cup of tea that you're looking forward to at the end of your shift. Right? That can be enough. You know? So we've got fleeting. Don't expect yourself to feel great all the time, but use it when it lasts. False crack on, even when you're not feeling great. Set your own deadlines. Right? Don't wait for other people. Future, give yourself things to look forward to because your brain logically likes to say, well, you know, is there actually going to be stuff to look forward to? Is there actually stuff going to happen? Yeah. I've booked a holiday for um, Australia for November for this year to practice what I preach. Had to be postponed last year. It's all right. Still happening. Still on my list. So it gives me motivation. The fourth way to motivate yourself, and this is where people fall down in application of motivation. Remember, this is a process to be applied consistently. This material doesn't run out, by the way. You can use it, you know, as many times as you want. Think about you. Are you motivated by fear? Are you the kind of person that says, if you don't do this paperwork, you're going to get that. If you don't do this, you're going to lose your house. If you don't do this, this patient's going to say this to you. If you don't do it right. For some people, that works really well as a motivator. That's great. You're motivated by fear, right? Your fire inside burns blue. That's great. I have a lot of clients or accountants are like that. Other people say, no, that's not me at all, mate. I'm trying to motivate myself, right? Or I know my family. We like to be fun and positive and think all about the positivity. Like Adam was saying about working out, you're going to be fitter, stronger. You're going to live longer. You're going to feel better. Right now, a lot of people that works for them. Pick which you are carefully, because what I've realized is people that are motivated by fear, they try and motivate themselves by fun to try and be like somebody else they see on social media and it doesn't work and vice versa. You can do both as well. A lot of people are motivated by fun in their personal life and they're motivated by fear and they need to have that kind of like person looking over the shoulder in their professional life. Pick whichever you want, right? But make sure you do it in the way that suits you. So you're either sat there going, I'm fear. Or no, I'd be fun. Or no, I'd be both. And if you're with patients, ask them. Ask them. Because I've had um, doctors talk and they've tried to put the fear on me. Didn't work. Because I'm more motivated by fun in relation to my health, right? And if I'd have told them that and they were aware of that, they could have helped me better. So that's my fault, not theirs. And then the last thing I want to give you is I want to give you some five tools that you can use in, in the fifth thing, which is what I call framework. So when you feel great, great, do something with it, enjoy it, but don't expect it to last, right? It's fine, it's fleeting. Second is set your own deadlines, yeah? And even when you feel rubbish, still do those things. Act as if, because you can still take massive action on those things that's actually going to work in the long term. Third one is you've got to have those things to look forward to. Start from today, 
even if it's something really small, right? Something looking forward to tonight on Friday, yeah, the end of the end of uh, January. Um, fear or fun, or both. Figure out which one you are. In terms of the tools, there's loads, but I wanted to give you five because five types of motivation, right? <laughs> First one, and as I already kind of talked about, it's motivational people. Here's two that I'd recommend you check out. Les Brown, L-E-S. So Les Brown is American guy. He's, in my opinion, the number one motivational speaker. He's brilliant. He'll make you feel like you can do anything. Check him out. But what do you do on the days when Les Brown doesn't work, right? It just doesn't work for you. It's not working. Louise Hay, H-A-Y. Louise Hay is wonderful in a different way because she gives off a very much different message, which is you find us as you are. You don't need to try and achieve or smash goals or anything like that. Just as you are today is enough. Now, again, why do I give you two? Because depending on where you're at, what day, you've got options. It's always good to have options with this. The second thing is motivational quotes. You might like them. You might not. I like them. What I suggest is have two that you know off by heart. And as my Jewish friends would say, inscribe them on your heart. They really mean something to you, not just something you've read on Instagram, something that you can apply and that directs your focus. For example, one of my favorite ones is hope has two beautiful daughters anger at the way things are and the courage to do something about it it's pretty powerful right that's where that's how i have hope for the future and that's actually francis of assisi second one is this is gorgeous the heart is a net, is a net where love is caught like fish that's actually muhammad ali said that when he's doing his charity work after he retired it's not bad for a boxer is it so those quotes really help to focus my mind they might not work for you no problem pick what does because it just keeps your focus third one is i would have a support team just like you are an essential person on somebody's support team you need one and i'd always have three a medical professional is not you right because you can't cut your own hair somebody that you go to is not yourself i would have somebody for support somebody you can go to to just have a moan and just be like oh this happened today you need that support i would go to a separate person to motivate you for accountability so accountability is usually a good one. You have a professional person or a line manager or a peer and then support might be a partner, a friend or a family member. I wouldn't suggest going to the same person to motivate you for two different ways because you might get mixed messages and we don't want that person to feel like that, if that makes sense. You know, sometimes when you go to somebody for accountability and they go, oh, bless you, I bet you're doing your best. You know, that's not what I meant. Right? So we need those that support team. Last two, um, again, I've just been talking about it, your motivational environment. Now, again, it might not be where you actually do your work. could be your car, could be home. But pictures and videos, please write this stat down if you're writing stats. 10,000 anthropologists and sociologists have studied the impact of a picture having an emotional impact to motivate you. is 10,000 times stronger and deeper than words. I'll prove it. If I show you this, probably not going to make much impact. But if I show you my doggy, right, who I love so much, yeah, and looking at him keeps me motivated because I don't get to see him every day. So get those motivational pictures there, but also get videos because pictures can be fake, right? Videos usually is saying to your brain, oh, this is real. This is logical. This is, you know, this is a real place. This is a video of where we're going on holiday this summer. Ooh, looking forward to that. And then the final tool, again, Anna's mentioned it, is music. I do a lot of work online. And in between clients, I will get up and move and I'll stick on some music. Get your energy. The energy and vitality that you bring into your consultations with patients is often more important than what you actually say. <laughs> because, I, you know, I was talking to a GP last week and he told me, Mike, I'm not in charge of my own diary. I don't know who I'm going to see until 10 minutes before. That's hard, isn't it? So whatever you can do to get your energy up so that when you see him, you're like, how's it going? You know, um, music's really good for that. Equally, like Anna was telling the story before, music's really good for bringing you down. If you've had the day from hell, yeah, in that transitional moment, 
have some music to bring you down, to bring you out of that stress response. Really, really powerful. Last thing I'd say on that, because I'm out of time, because it's, you know, didn't have long today. Um, I'll put a link to my podcast. I write, I do a lot of podcasts every week about these kind of issues. And there's one I put out this week about looking after yourself in more detail. So I'll put that in the chat. Um, and there's a book I would definitely recommend reading called Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. A lot of people at the moment are lost. They don't know what their purpose and meaning is. And if you can help them to understand that, it's very, very powerful. And they'll be more likely to open up to you and allow you to help them. Um, it's by a guy who survived the Holocaust, right? So talk about going through a hard time. Man's Search for Meaning. It's only about 70 pages. You read it in a day. Absolutely amazing. So thank you very much. Uh, as I said before, just reach out to me on Twitter, LinkedIn, whichever. Hopefully that's just given you a little flavour of the motivation model that I created. And I'm happy to answer questions on it or anything else. Thank you very much. And thank you, Anna. Thank you very much. Um, and yeah, does, if anybody's got any questions, we would really encourage you to ask us now, either Michael or myself. Or if there isn't any questions, we will put our details up as well. Um, just because we've gone away after this session doesn't mean that we won't answer any questions. So please do get keep in touch with us. Our details are here. If you've got any questions at all, just drop us a you know drop us a line. Um, ask us. As I said, we've we've both got podcasts that might give you a little bit more of a flavour for the type of work that we do as well. Um, and we would really really appreciate any of your feedback. I'm just going to, um, oh, we've just had a question here about overcoming procrastination. So, Michael, do you want to go with that one? Or do you want... Yeah, sure. I can do Thank you. I was just typing, um, I've done a podcast on it. So uh, it's a 15-minute podcast. So, Kathy, if you want more, uh, something longer than like a 30-second answer, have a listen to that. What I'd say is that procrastination is linked to overwhelm. A lot of people tell me, they want to do something 100% and they haven't got time to do 100%, if that makes sense. So they put it off because they put it off, they get overwhelmed because they're overwhelmed and more like to procrastinate. It's a cycle. So I would think about it more getting something like seven out of 10 or eight out of 10. Like Anna was saying before, you're not waiting until you've got the perfect exercise routine found on Google. You just stick it on the, you know, your pants first thing in the morning and saying, right, I'm just going to start moving. Another thing um, I'd say in relation to procrastination is about thinking about sometimes it's it's a sign of high standards. People that are emotionally intelligent, sensitive, um, tend to procrastinate because they want to do things really well. It's not often a sign of laziness. If you're relating it back to um, patience and then procrastinating, again, I would link it back to what's important to them and helping them to understand how if they take action on something, it could benefit something that's important to them. For example, it could be if it's their family, and you're helping them to understand that giving up smoking that they've been putting off 20 years could actually help them live another 10 years to see the family. You can kind of link them together. So sorry, that's not quite a short answer because I don't know too much about the topic and the, the context, um, but I've done a podcast on exactly that. So it's episode three. Um, thanks, Anna. I don't know if you want to add anything as well. No, thank you very much, Michael. I think that's um, great that you've got a podcast then to follow up with that. What I would really encourage everyone to do as well is just from any of your notes today or your thoughts, just write down maybe one, two or three small little steps that you're going to carry out following the session today. So before you start listening, I want you to think about how you can make health contagious. Did anything resonate in the podcast? What did you learn that was new? Did you hear something that you thought someone else would love to hear? 
If so, please share this podcast. Please leave me a review or please get in touch at anna at leaphealth.co.uk to learn more about how you can improve physical and mental health of individuals and those in the workplace so that everybody can feel happier and healthier and more productive. Thank you.